That's kind of a song. So it's more like a cheer. Well, I figured we're going to be doing enough songing today, so we should just skip me singing because we'll, well, maybe we'll sing through the whole podcast. Who knows? This will definitely be a singy songy kind of episode. It's going to be real sing songy, folks. Real sing songy. All sorts of it, and I mean, based on our our setup list discussion thing, I have a hunch we should be diving on in because otherwise, this is going to be as long as most of these musicals are. Yeah, it's very possible. This is such a musical episode, there might be a faint hint of a piano in the background that we've added for ambiance. Or it's just my kid practicing piano, and we'll see how he does. That's also maybe what's happening. But, you know, whatever. We'll see. Here's what I think, though. If we go really long, let's have an intermission. <laughs> we should. <laughs> I'll flick the lights. <laughs> Everybody can go up, get a, get a beverage, go to their snack bar, pay too much money for something, sit right. down, go back to listening. It'll be sweet. Well, listen, if you haven't figured it out yet, folks, this week's top five is our favorite movie musicals or musicals or movies that have music in it or some combination thereof. I did come up with like a little bit of a framework for how I wanted to do this. So, so JT, say you're uh, watching the movie with your friends there. Okay. And, uh, you know, at a random moment anywhere in the movie, all of a sudden, instead of, you know, talking the dialogue and acting the acting, they're singing and dancing. <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that to me is a musical. Okay, I think if that's what we agree on, I think I've nailed this. <laughs> All right, and I think we're good. Characters breaking out into song in a way that would be normally completely inappropriate in life. Perfect. Yeah, well, then I think all of my movies fit that. <laughs> awesome. So shall we shank the Shaw? I think we have no choice but to shank the Shaw, my friend. All right. Now, I think we need to have a little Shawshank clarification, kind of a kind of a cleansing moment of our Shawshanking. So the original intent behind the Shawshank is, is there a movie that we thought was like so category defining, groundbreaking, et cetera, that you don't even talk about it. It's just that amazing, right? I think we were muddying the waters a bit, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, so let's uh, let's clear it up. How should we make this work? I, I like the, the way we're thinking about it. It's still the genre breaker the category buster etc yeah well i think what's so well we should let everybody into the fact that we had probably longer than necessary of a conversation as to how to actually define a shawshank and what it means because what we've been doing specifically i think last week we really weren't sure if things were or were not shawshank we kind of talked about them as though they were kind of on the list but that actually we decided and i i, I really stand behind this that kind of goes in direct opposition of the point of the Shawshank. Exactly. The Shawshank doesn't need airtime because it's just so clear that it doesn't require any conversation. You go, oh, yeah, sure. Shawshank Redemption, moving right along. Boom. So that's what we want to do this week. Instead, we're going to put up our nominees very quickly, either let them be in or let them not be in the Shawshank. If they are in the Shawshank, no talkie talkie. If they're not in the Shawshank, they're available for either of us to put in the list. And that's it. Well, wait. I thought we declared that if I propose a movie for Shawshank, it cannot be in my own list because I'm giving up the rights to speak about said film. Yes, that, that, that's right. I did. I missed that part. 100%. Okay. Listeners, we just want you to know how seriously we take our, our, our craft here. We are, you know, we're both product people in our jobs. So I think we're really treating this podcast as... as the best product we can make. We're A-B testing stuff. We're agile. We're pivoting. We got a Trello. 
for like the, all of the product managers that are listening to us right now are like, oh, way to go, guys. And everybody else is like, what are these words? Why are they agile? Yeah. Jeremy can barely touch his toes. What kind of agile is this? What's a Trello? <laughs> well, we can't help the people who don't know from Trello. There's sticky notes all over my walls. Oh, yeah. We've whiteboarded the heck out of this episode, folks. Let me tell you. So, okay. So the new Shawshank, if you hear either of us pr propose it, we will not talk about it. And if we both have it, then it is officially crowned the Shawshank of the category. And the only other thing I want to say is I think even if you didn't have it as your Shawshank, I think we can, someone can agree and acquiesce and go, yeah, that's totally Shawshankable. I still think we should reserve the right yeah. to say yes. Yeah. It might jog the other one's memory and like, et cetera. For the right, exactly. sure. For darn yeah. sure. Yeah. So with that being said, Jeremy, let's Shawshank this week. Do you have a nomination for the Shawshank? I have two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my first one is The Wizard of Oz. Uh, uh, so not, not just accepted, also have it as one of, I have two entries as well, and this is one of them. Huzzah! Yay, we did it! <laughs> so now we can't talk about it. Okay, now uh, what's your number two? You, you proposed your second entry first, sir. So my second one, I actually struggled with whether I even think this is, I don't think it really is the category, but I wanted to take it off the list. Wait a sec. So you're not sure if it's in the category, but if it is in the category, it's a Shawshank. That's literally exactly right. Okay, what you got? Hamilton. That's my second one. Oh my God, did we really just do this? We just did that. Yes! Yeah. No, and it was it, for, probably for the same kind of reasons. Like, Hamilton was too perfectly done as a musical in a movie. And we're going to talk, we've talked about it a little bit here and there. Yeah, yeah. I struck. The reason I struggled is because it's not actually a movie, it really is just a filmed theater. Like, it's just a filmed performance, which is why I was like, I don't even know if it counts, but just in case it does, it shouldn't because it's Hamilton and it just, it breaks all the rules. And I think everybody would agree with that. So yeah. I'm good with, with not talking about it anymore. I'll just, I, I want to just push back mildly on the, it's not really a movie. I think because of the camera work that they did and, and coming in with all the angles and especially like that, those close-ups of Jonathan Groff, like that to me is what pushes it into movie territory, not just we fix the camera, here's the show like I do with all my kids' performances. All right, that's fair, that's fair. All the same- Which are not movies. Right, that's true. But all the same, we agree, it, it's it's just, it's it's transcendent, so. Yep, all okay. right, awesome. So I, I start this week. I'm on like, I'm on, I'm like, this is, this is, a, I don't know what this is, double Shawshank, like, there's, this is like double rainbow. <laughs> it's definitely something. So I start this week. And so uh, to start, I'm going to go with my most absurd one that makes me very happy. So it came out on June 30th of 1999. It's on my list. Really? Yep. In your top five? Yep. No way! South Park. Yeah! Bigger, longer, uncut, because it's totally a musical. <laughs> it's totally a musical. Uh, yeah. And for a while, by the way, it, it kind of kept climbing my ranks as I went. But let's hear your take on it first, since you uh, you had dibs, as they say. Well, look, so the like, first of all, it, it was nominated for an Oscar. This is one of my favorite random Oscar trivia things is it was nominated for best song for Blame Canada. And they had no idea how to do this. So they just had Robin Williams perform it because usually they perform the songs at right. the actual award show. And they were just like, uh, what do we do? 
Robin Williams will sing it. So just Robin Williams saying playing playing Canada, which is very funny. Uh, there's some really, there's like some interesting trivia about this. Like, you know, uh, it was the highest grossing R-rated animated film until Sausage Party, I thought was kind of interesting. The fact that they had both Satan and Saddam Hussein in the credits as playing themselves is very funny. Um, Trey Parker and Matt Stone and fans. So like, this is one of, this is my favorite piece of trivia. Wild Wild West came out at the same time. And there is a real conspiracy theory that there is a bunch of box office numbers that artificially inflate Wild Wild West as far as how many people purchase tickets because of the pure volume of people that couldn't get into this R-rated movie. And so they would buy tickets to see that and then sneak in to see South Park. I buy that. That sounds sounds very 1999. That sounds perfectly like probably accurate. And then one lovely thing that's a fun trivia note for us on the podcast is that above Satan's bed is a picture of discount Johnny Depp, which is very funny. Is that true? (laughs) Skeet Ulrich, yeah. Uh, I don't think I've seen this movie in... 18, 19 years. So <laughs> I, I don't remember the individual scenes, but that sounds plausible. That was, that was Skeet Ulrich's, that was Skeet's time. Listen, it was, it just because we have talked about discount Johnny Depp, it was, it just seemed perfect that it would, that it just so happens. He does have an unwanted cameo in this. That's Look, awesome. the reason it's, the reason it's on my list is 100% a musical. My friend Archie and I will fight anyone who says otherwise. It's hilarious. It makes me laugh. It's oddly beautiful how they pulled this together. Like genuinely, it's like really interesting. The crescendo in the end when they do the Blame Canada, Kyle's Mild Love Resistance deal, all that, like that one, It's it was an the homage medley. to, yeah, it was an homage to Les Mis. Yeah, and well, which, and it was very well done. And it was hilariously well done. Like it was actually musically very, very well done. It's very tight. This is a very tight movie when it comes to stuff like that. I, I don't uh, know I, how I anyone it. would say it's not a musical. I, I think it is, it is, it define it is whatever you would use to define what a musical is, namely characters burst out into song when they otherwise should just be talking dialogue. It does that. Yeah. Done. I- I agree. I, I I was so excited to share this. I'm even more excited that you had it on your list, and it's great. So, do you want what what if do you want some airtime? Because if it's going to remain as your top five, you deserve some. Uh, I'm good. I, I I thought most of my reason for putting it on the list was a they took this irreverent path, which I thought was really fun and interesting. But then, as I really started to think about it, because at first it was just sort of like. Oh my gosh! I got I got one that I got to put. In. JT's going to not remember it. It's going to be awesome, but you did, so I don't get that, which is fine. But what what I thought was so good about this movie as an entry is it takes itself not seriously and seriously at the same time, which is a bit of a running theme in my list this today, because I think other than your Hamiltons and Wizard of Oz's, some of the best musicals don't take themselves too seriously. Uh, And I think that's where some movies that don't make my list uh, are because I think they tried to make them too much of a thing. So I love that the music itself is actually good. You know, they could have brought this to Broadway, like especially considering Spamalot and uh, what was the one they actually did? The uh, Book Book of Mormon, Mormon. right? They could have easily made South Park the show. For sure. Yeah. When they stop making episodes, maybe they'll do that. Maybe they will. Listen, I, it, it makes total sense because Book of Mormon, I think, happened after this. So it makes perfect sense right. that when you see Book of Mormon now, you go, yeah, well, they had the chops. Did you see Bigger, Longer, Uncut? It's like, it's perfect. Did you, so, see, the, all right. uh, did you see the cameo list, by the way? I hadn't realized some of the cameo. Like, <laughs> I Eric, I, Eric Idle's in it. Uh, yes. Yeah. Stuart Copeland from The Police is in it. 
Yeah, so the two, the two I were, was going to give you, if you didn't already know it, was going to be Mini Driver and George Clooney. <laughs> I, mine were George Clooney, Brent Spiner, Mini Driver, in that order. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then uh, Isaac Hayes. Cause Isaac Hayes is Isaac a giveaway. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so does that mean that I go again? Are we both submitting this as a, as a top five? No, I'm going to put something else in because uh, I can. Do it. <laughs> uh, I'll, so I'll do the one I swapped in for South Park. Okay. Because it was my sitting at sixth uncomfortably entry. Okay. Uh, that I didn't really know what to do with because it is, it was sort of my almost third Shawshank. Okay. I almost went to three this week, JT. I almost did. Wow. All right. Yeah. Uh, June 18th, 1965. Okay. Metacritic score of 88. 1965. Is this going to be, this has got to be sound of music. It is not the sound of music. Wow. Oh, so Sound of Music, just because you said Shawshank, sent me down that path. All right, keep going. Uh, we'll talk about Sound of Music. I mean, it's obviously in my list of, of stuff to talk about, because we'll have sure. to talk about Sound of Music at some point. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I had the year wrong. It was 1964, not 65. Oh, okay. Does that help? Is this Mary Poppins then? It is, yeah. See, you love Mary Poppins, so I was going to guess this was going to be in your top five. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you get a chance to talk about it now. I love Mary Poppins. Uh, <laughs> this is probably the right moment for me to reveal that I have made an Excel spreadsheet this week, JT. And, yep. uh, and I really geeked out. Because when, when we picked the category last week, I did the same thing as I kind of just pulled out my phone and wrote down a bunch of movies right away. And Mary Poppins was one of the first few I put down and then a bunch of others. But then I was like, wow, I love a lot of these movies. And like so many other categories, I'm going to have to have some mechanism of ranking and making order out of it. So let me tell you my rubric for the week. Uh, and I might actually just start doing it this way in the future because I had so much fun doing it. So I made a categories that I thought would be used to judge how I would judge what, what I would say are my favorite slash best musicals. The categories are quality of movie, quality of voices, the soundtrack as a whole, the signature song of the movie, a, a weak song's negative adjuster for some of the poorer entries, um, a quantity of songs variable, because I do feel that there's a huge difference between Hamilton with, by the way, 46 songs and some other entries in our list, which might have only five or six songs, but still belong in the list. I have a rewatchability score. And then I have a, uh, kind of a potpourri where I just can give things points where I want to, uh, which I really just used to manipulate the list back to where I wanted it to be. Once my rubric wasn't working properly. So <laughs> bottom line is Mary Poppins was the top of the list the entire time, including wizard of Oz and Hamilton. I couldn't shake it because it's in a phenomenal movie with some of the, I mean, Julie Andrews, one of the finest singers of our time. Uh, all of the songs are great. Like it has no weak songs at all. The signature songs, I mean, there's multiple. I would say it's probably Feed the Birds for, or maybe Supercalifragilist or maybe Chim Chimery. You get my point here. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm glad to – and then what happened was I pushed it back out of the list for no other reason than I felt the other five were more interesting to talk about. So I'm going to use my Mary Poppins time to talk a bit more about that rubric and this just amazing song list. And if you haven't heard it, if you like this movie at all – 
do yourself a favor and go to Spotify and or whatever you use for music. Find the soundtrack. After you're done, there's one more track, which is an interview with the Sherman Brothers talking about making the soundtrack for them, writing the songs. So these brothers who were responsible for probably half of Disney's earlier catalog of uh, movie musicals, they talk about the creative process. They talk about how they come up with like chim 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 chim. Like they, they go through it all in such a beautiful, heartfelt way that it, it, it added to the magic, if you will. The only ding I have on this movie whatsoever, and even Mr. Van Dyke himself would acknowledge it, was his bizarre accent because it doesn't, it's not what it's supposed to be. It's, it's some hodgepodge of lots of weird accents together. But I can forgive that because otherwise a near perfect film. I, I love that. I love that you love this movie. Uh, I love that it is in your list now. So I'm very glad that we had the opportunity to, to let it slide in. If you had to pick, because you named a couple of songs, but if you had to pick one, what like if you had to introduce someone to it and got one song to get them to listen to the rest of the songs, what was what song would you use? Well, that's a good question. So I'll still maintain that for me, my favorite song of it is Feed the Birds. But if I really want to get someone hooked, I'd probably say Supercalifragilistic. I think it's just such a silly, goofy, yet really addictive Hakuna Matata kind of song. Yeah, that's a good uh, way to put it. By the way, in my spreadsheet, I do, in fact, have what I thought was the best and worst songs of each of the movies. Because, <laughs> again, I had a fun time. And I put I love to laugh as I thought the weakest part of this film. I think that's probably fair. My, but one like of my it's, favorite. It's still like a six out of ten as the as the weak point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still really good. That that's how you know it's good. Stay awake is it might be one of my favorite mm. little moments in this. Yeah. I love Stay Awake. Spoonful of sugar. I mean, you can't do oh. a song and not be like, oh yeah, that might be my favorite. Oh yeah, yeah that yeah. one. Yeah. No, so good. all right. Thanks idea. for giving me uh, a little a little poppin's time. I'm I'm so happy you got it. Uh okay. So next I'm gonna go June first, two thousand one. It is a 66% on the Metacritic. Okay. Very hard cast because if I give you anybody, it's good. So I'll give you Jim Broadbent and Kylie Minogue. Oh, uh, uh, that's got to be Moulin Rouge. It is Moulin Rouge. Yeah, I knew you'd have this in your list somewhere. Uh, Where did it go for me? I had it. Ooh, I definitely have it in here. Oh, there it is. Yeah. I thought it was 2002. I think that might be why I, I goofed on it. It's very possible that I have the, the date wrong at this point. I have no idea. Who knows? <laughs> what do years even matter? Well, so look, we've talked, I've mentioned, I've, we've never actually talked about the movie. I've made mention of it before, specifically in the fact that Nicole Kidman kind of ruins it. But I actually, um, I do want to talk about it because I actually really do love this movie. First of all, I did not know this. There were eight Oscar nominations for this. I remember it getting some love. I don't remember it getting that much. Uh, It won for for art direction and costume design, both of which I think makes total sense. Uh, Best picture it was nominated for, which I think I remember that. And then thinking to myself, oh, if if it's nominated for best picture, it probably got a bunch others. So it does track. And she was actually up for actress, which is crazy. I, I actually think she acted. My quick take on that is I think she was very good on her own in this movie. And she was very bad with Ewan McGregor in this movie. Yeah. So my issue with her almost always is chemistry reads. Yeah. I don't like her chemistry with almost anybody. 
And it's just because she feels like a robot to me all the time. And I don't know if it's like the Stepford Wives thing or what, but like literally it's just very unusual that I see her and go, she looks comfortable. She never looks comfortable to me. It's it's very weird. No, in the, her Tinder profile does not say just as comfortable in a formal gown as I am in right. sweatpants watching, the, watching yeah. the, the binging TV or anything. No, she's. I don't think she's ever worn sweatpants. No, probably not. No. Like, it, listen, the most I've, I think I've ever liked her was in Practical Magic, where she was like the mess up sister. And that I bought. I, like, her and Sandra Bullock were good, but I think that's because I love Sandra Bullock. Anyway, this is not about Nicole Kidman. It's about Moulin Rouge. Oh, because I was about to start talking about Days of Thunder. But okay, yeah, we'll go back. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there too. <laughs> she, she's fun in that, by the way. She's fun in that. She is. Listen, I don't dislike her. I just think she's overrated. Like, I, I do think she's overrated. Okay. But anyway. I, that's interesting. I actually think as like straight up actress goes she's very talented but i think i think where where i probably go into sharing your opinion is if she does not pair perfectly with her, her castmates she's she doesn't fit like she was great in the others because she belonged in her own kind of little space yeah, yeah. that i agree with yeah she just doesn't have chemistry with people right she's bad at peopling <laughs> there we go <laughs> nicole kidman phenomenal actress alone she should be in like moon two yeah, right, right. She would have been great in Gravity. Throw her out, just put her out in the universe somewhere with nobody put, else. You know what? She might have been great in Gravity. She might, it might have actually would have been an interesting casting choice. Are right, you want to talk about Moulin Rouge already, JT? Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> There's a couple quick pieces of trivia that I do thought that was, I thought was interesting. Uh, so you love stuff like this. I pulled this one for you. Over 300 costumes. Mm. And at one point, over 80 people were employed simply for costuming. That's cool. Um, Come What May, which I, I didn't know this and it made me happy, was originally written for the 1996 version of Romeo and Juliet, which I have waxed poetic about how much I love. Before. Oh. And so that was exciting. I'm like, oh, cool. And they just didn't use it. So it got cut, used it here. Oh. Uh, and one quick casting thing I thought was interesting was originally the Green Fairy was supposed to be Ozzy Osbourne. And then they Ooh. moved to, to more of a Tinkerbell thing. And I actually would have really been interested to see the Ozzy Osbourne slide of that. It would have been cool. So, Interesting. I thought you were <clears throat> going to say uh, Jim Broadbent's part could have been Ozzy in some weird universe. It definitely could have been. Uh, funny about Jim Broadbent is uh, he based his performance on director Baz Luhrmann, which made me laugh. I'm like, oh, that's fun. <laughs> I had this in my Pong list. I was trying to figure out which song I could name that you might not guess. Uh, and then the only one I ended up on was the El Tango de Roxanne only cause it was titled that. Yeah. So we're going to get to that in a minute. So why this movie made my list. I actually really like it. Um, in spite of how I feel about Nicole Kidman being bad at peopling. Uh, I thought this movie was a lot of fun for what is something is actually very heavy. It's a really heavy plot. Like I mean, there's the, a little bit of classism, tuberculosis and, yeah. uh, it's and the like, brothel. It's, <laughs> it's dark, man. Like it's yeah. dark, but it manages to kind of play lighter than than it, than the mood is. Um, the performances I thought were really good. I really liked everybody in it for the most part. Uh, the music's incredible. I love the Nirvana interlude. That's like such a fun little thing. In Love Medley, by the way, which is when they're singing back and forth. Let me just run through who they like the bands or singers they reference in that little piece: The Beatles, Whitney Houston, Wings, U two, Kiss, Joe Crocker, Phil Collins, Elton John, and Bowie. I've heard of I some mean, of them. Pretty good. Huh. Yeah. That's a pretty good run. That's through. a fun medley, by the way. It really is. I, I'm Your, a sucker for medleys and mashups. You should know that. Well, same. Your song was transformed, which is very hard because it's so iconic, which I think that was really impressive. But I want to give El Tango de Roxanne a minute because if you watch it again, I watched it today when I was doing this twice, and it still gives me chills. Mm. It is 
stunning. Aside from his super raspy voice, Ewan McGregor's kind of class. I love Ewan McGregor's voice. He's got a really beautiful singing voice. Um, it's a masterclass in lighting and cuts. It is the way they film that scene with the music and the fact that striking, striking violin, it is like really moving. Like it gave me chill. It's giving me chills now thinking about it. And the frenzy and the climax in the end, it's a really beautiful thing. It's like a really strong six minutes. It's damn near perfect. All right. Like I really, really like that. Like that alone should stand as like a, you can do something this cool in film. I really love that, that particular moment. So I'm glad you brought it up. So yeah, for all those reasons, Moulin Rouge on the list. Nice. I, uh, I had the privilege of seeing Baz Luhrmann did a very, very limited run of, he modernized Lab OM and not like Rent, but like Lab OM using young people, modern, modern sets, et cetera. Uh, I saw it on stage in San Francisco. It was stunning. I mean, cool. you could, it was like, Basically, like half a Moulin Rouge, but actually on a stage, real time with actors, no special effects or anything. It was very cool. That's awesome. All right. Where do I take us from there? Because, all right, I'm going to go over here into late November of 1992, November 25th to be particular. 1992. 1992. Okay, keep going. Metacritic of 86, Ooh, 248th of all time on IMDb. Directed, well, let's go with some of the cast. I can only do four names before you know it, so we'll, we'll see how we do. Uh, Jonathan Freeman, nothing. Okay. No. Linda no. Larkin, nothing. Don't know who that is. Scott Weinger, no. No idea. Gilbert Gottfried. Aladdin? Yes. Okay. Was it on your list? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not on my list. It's on my pond list, but it's not my top five. So I knew right away I had, again, I was going to include the Disney Renaissance because for me, they shape so much of modern everything. Yeah. Uh, we talked about that a few episodes ago. So I listened to our animated episode if you haven't already. Uh, you know, it was a toss up between this and Oliver and Company. Just kidding. <laughs> You better be nice to Oliver until you see it. You don't that's, get to make jokes. <laughs> I'm, that's, that's a loving joke. That's not a hating joke. After I see it, maybe I'll make a hating joke. But for now, it's a loving joke. <laughs> uh, I So I was weighing between Mermaid, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, and Lion King. Yep. And for most of it, Beauty and the Beast was winning. And I'm pretty sure if I go to my little rubric here, Beauty and the Beast, it was outscoring Aladdin until, again, I went and put my little magic number in there. And Aladdin, woo, there it's going. By the way, uh, for reference, Moulin Rouge was 17th on the rubric list. Oh, hmm. okay. Don't know what that means. It's, Me it's, a meaningless, it's meaningless numbers at this point. <laughs> right. <laughs> so while weighing it out, though, if I was being, like, really classic about it, and, and sort of maybe to your points about South Park as a musical – from a truly classic Broadway musical kind of perspective, Beauty and the Beast probably wins. It, it is a bit more of a traditional... What are you going to say here, buddy? I disagree. Well, all right. Well, let me make my case and then then please push back because that's the point of all this. I think it's it's got that... I think it's partially because it's a little uppity in a way. You know, it's got that like former Broadway snobbery element. Sn snobbery? Snob, snobbish, whatever. 
I think those are both words, technically, so you're in good shape. (laughs) It's very snobomatic. That's not a (laughs) word. Not a word. (laughs) You know, so to me, Beauty and the Beast really pays homage to that older era of Broadway. It's got the classic ballroom scene. Uh, The singing's phenomenal. The voices are great. A very, very tropish kind of plot. And so I ended up picking Aladdin over it because of that juxtaposition into this more modern era. Aladdin took a, uh, took a Beauty and the Beast-like structure and then just went off and had more fun with it. It has more, it's more fan, fan, fantastical, right? You have the, the Prince Ali number, which you could, which you wouldn't have done in the past, right? Or, or, or you would have like in with, with a huge overpriced set, like in Cleopatra or something, right? So, what I like about Aladdin is that I think it it even more embraces that role of a of a animated musical. It does things that can't be done. It has fun with it. The songs are great, uh, and that I did give it a slight higher score overall. Uh, song uh, soundtrack to Beauty and the Beast. I think that the songs are all a little bit peppier, a little catchier, a little more range, a little more diversity in the songs themselves. And then just Robin Williams having fun combined with the uh, whole new world, which I, I still think to this day is one of those beautiful songs to come out of, of anything Disney's ever done. And so Aladdin took the edge and is my pick. So I agree. I really like Aladdin over Beauty and the Beast. So for Pong, none, none, none of these actually made my top five, partially because I, I was pretty sure you were going to pick one and I felt like that would be good. And I wanted to pick, I wanted us to be different, but I Lion King, Aladdin and beauty and the beast. I, I kind of wanted to pick one to have on Pong and not do all three. And I wound up with two, which is Lion King, Aladdin. And I actually left beauty and the beast off. So mm-hmm. the reason I disagree with you is because depth and breadth, I don't feel like there's a lot of breadth in beauty and the beast. I agree. It does feel hoity toity, but when you think about songs that really stand out to me, and the number of songs that stand out. If you think about the soundtrack to Beauty and the Beast, where there's actually like singing, like you know, really singing with you, it's not very deep. There's like four really big musical numbers and nothing else. Well, and actually it's slightly worse than you're you're describing. Do you have any songs either Aladdin or Beauty and the Beast have in them? Because I actually tracked it. I uh, No. Be- Beauty and the Beast is six songs, and that includes the mob song, which is eh. And Aladdin is only five songs. Oh really? See, yeah, that's where I had to give it the free free points in the old rubric there, because I, you know, again, if Hamilton can do forty six, Aladdin right. does five. Now, granted, uh, Hamilton is all music the entire time, so it doesn't. It's not a fair fair comparison, right? But uh, Mary Poppins had sixteen by by, which I think is a fair comparison. What about Lion King? Lion King. Well, I that wasn't going to make my final cut, so I didn't think I, I looked at the song list. But I would say it's probably also five, six, or seven. It can't be all all of the Disney Renaissance is less than ten. Oh, interesting. Yeah, for some yeah. reason. So that's so maybe. Well, I guess my numbers are wrong then. But it feels to it felt to me like yes. Beauty and the Beast had less than yes. both Lion King and Aladdin. That's right. Because I think the other two they have more reprises. Reprise is it a reprise Reprises. or a reprise? I think it's reprise. See, nobody knows. There are words that we all say and read, but nobody actually knows what they are. I mean, nobody, no. literally. You can go ask 100 people. They don't know. If you think it's reprise, give us a like. If you think it's reprise, <laughs> give us the plus one. <laughs> all right. So 
I think we should move on. Okay, uh, I will go next. So let's do October 12th, 2007. Now I'm just so curious if we actually end up having the same one uh, together again. Uh, 2007, October? Uh, yeah, you're not going to have this one, I don't think. Is it Ratatouille? <laughs> <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Ratatouille doesn't even have songs, does it? Uh, only one, the, yeah. which I'm, I'm not going to butcher the French, but you should do it. The What's it called? The J'aime, uh, I don't know. Uh, no, I'll give you, let's do Dana Fuchs and Martin Luther McCall. Keep going. Eddie Izzard. I know this is too late for train spotting. It's too, it's too late for train spotting. And train is not a musical by any standard. Also true. Uh, there is a really interesting moment in this where they're in a headquarters of the League of Spiritual Deliverance, which if you take out the letters is a reference to LSD. Uh, I, two, 2007? Jim Sturgis. Now you got it. Oh, is this uh, the one you had last time, Across the Universe? Across the Universe, right. yeah. I still haven't seen it. I have not yeah, seen it since episode, whatever that was. <laughs> so I, I have talked about it before, so I'm not going to go super deep into it. Um, some really quick fun trivia I didn't cover off, because this was, this was on my list for soundtracks. Wait, let me ask you, since I haven't seen it, and I'm assuming at least one other person hasn't seen it also, do would it meet the definition? Do the characters break out in song the whole time? Oh, they do. Okay, it's not just yeah, the back because so, they know it's the whole Beatles music, but it's not the background. They're singing it. Yeah. So no, what they actually did, and the reason that I think the movie is brilliant, is because they turned all of the songs into a story. Got it. So each of the moments is act. Each of the songs creates a moment that fits into the narrative of the actual of the actual uh, movie itself, which is really interesting. Nice. Um, and it just, it takes a lot of backbone, man. Like the Beatles are, they're terrifying, right? Like to, to tackle the Beatles catalog and not screw it up. And what is amazing about this is Ringo Starr, Yoko Ono, Paul McCartney, and Olivia Harrison all absolutely loved the film. Uh, really? Like genuinely really, really loved it, which is really, really neat actually. So much so that like Paul McCartney had a private screening for the, the cast. He liked it so much. Like they really, really loved the way they did it. And you got to remember these guys made musicals. They made movies themselves. So to, to tackle the entire catalog in a completely different way and a catalog everybody knows and holds in really high regard is, is pretty big. So look, again, I'm not going to go too deep into it. Uh, the one thing that I do, this is like a really neat Beatles reference and this will be my last piece. So because is sung by exactly nine actors uh, and that's a, a really, really awesome reference to the Beatles who recorded the three-part harmony vocals with Lennon, McCartney and Harrison and then overdubbed three times each. So oh, they that's could build. And it, that's like a really, really dope little music nerd thing that made me smile. But you should see it and everybody else should see it because it's a beautiful, it's it's a really nice sort of love letter to the Beatles. And they build a fun little story around it. And it's good. I think it's good. It's really poorly rated, but uh, who cares? Fair enough. <laughs> the, uh, the grimace you might have seen on my face was the moment I realized I don't have a single Beatles movie. I didn't even, it didn't strike my mind until you just said <laughs> yeah. that. And I'm like, oops. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm just rolling with it. We're going to leave I them think, out of my list because I'm sure I you've got them fine. covered in some way. Uh, yeah, we're good. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. So I have three left. Uh, I'm going to leave the two I had as my absolute locks as my last two. So we'll go with the last one that made the final cut. Uh, on, a, on a June 22nd of 1979. Oh, boy. All right. A Metacritic... 73 
Uh, Jeremy adjusted rubric score of 103.5 <laughs> on an utterly irrelevant scale. On a scale no one understands. Okay, keep going. <laughs> well, if it means anything, Wizard of Oz got 104.5, but oh, wow. Moulin, and Moulin Rouge got 90. Okay. And the lowest scoring on the list is 66. But again, it doesn't matter because I just threw some numbers at things when I wanted to. Right. And right. once I had already Shawshanked Wizard, I didn't give it any extra points. Fair enough. So that's an unadjusted one. <laughs> so Wizard of Oz is unadjusted one of four. Our audience is like, get on with it, guys. Okay. Uh, here is the list. Here's what I've decided to do. I'm only giving you cameos because there are so many in this movie. Okay. I'm going to give you all of them because that's part of why I picked the movie. And I'm going to ask you to refrain your guessing until the very end. But you can nod ahead when you think you're like, oh, yeah, I know what you meant. All okay. right. So, so I want you to pay attention to which was the cameo uh, performance that you're like, oh, I know what movie he's talking about. Okay. And this is in no particular order. I was just like literally cutting and pasting. Charles Durning, Austin Pendleton, Milton Berle, Edgar Bergen, Mel Brooks, James Coburn, Dom DeLuise, Elliot Gould. It's the 70s. They were in everything. Right. Uh, Bob Hope. Madeline Kahn, Carol Kane, Cloris Leachman, Steve Martin, Richard Pryor, Telly Savalas, Orson Welles, and Carol Spinney. Dude, I have no idea what you're talking about right now. How great is that list? That's absurd. That sounds like it basically just sounds like you're like, that's like the best dinner party of all time from the 70s. Yeah. Uh, Directed by uh, one. Oh, no, it was, sorry. It's directed by uh, a guy named James Frowley, who I'm not sure. But the lead two voices would be Frank Oz and Jim Henson. Oh, the Muppets or the Muppets Take Manhattan? One of those. The original ones. Muppet movie. The Muppet movie. Oh, that's brilliant. It's yeah. funny. I thought about the Siegel one and then totally forgot to put it on my list. This is great. I love this. Go on. It, it was what I, I texted you when I'm like, uh oh. I got another one. This was that one where I was just randomly thinking of stuff. What's funny is when I first was going through the list, uh, someone had sent me a text about their last The Heist episode. It was like, you forgot the, the great Muppet caper. Because <laughs> that's, you know, <laughs> The Heist, Jeff. Uh, and <laughs> I do get texts from other people, but he's got the most, you know, directed feedback, which I appreciate. You know, honing our craft. And... Uh, so I was like, oh, yeah, can't forget the Muppets anymore. And then I forgot about the Muppets until like a day ago. And I was like, oh, no, got to get the Muppets in here. So yeah, I good. love this movie. Uh, it, the, the reboot from I think it was like 2010, 11, somewhere in there. Was yeah, the the first one. movie I took my son to in the theaters. His first theatrical movie was the Muppet movie reboot, which, oh, that's fun. which was, I mean, look, I, I give Jason Segal like a hundred out of 10 on thank you for doing that. I didn't love the movie. It was a little darker than it needed to be. The Muppets actually scared Sam a little bit, which I don't blame <laughs> him. Like I was like, Oh, kid me wouldn't have liked that either. But the original Muppet movie is such a beautiful film. And this is the beginning of a theme that you'll have for the, all, for my next, for this and the next two picks it doesn't take itself too seriously at all. In fact, it relishes in its own issues. Like it doesn't try to be more than the Muppets singing in some, you know, sort of a story like that. That's very contrived to let them sing. 
The songs are wonderful. Rainbow Connection is hands down like a happy place song for me. I will yeah. listen to it anytime, anywhere. And there's something about this time period, this this very late 70s, early 80s. Uh, I think I talked about it a bit with Breaking Away that this is, in my opinion, a bit of the beginning of the end of a certain type of innocence in society that this movie just captures so beautifully. It's like, just let you just watch this spectacle. Don't think too much about it. You know, they're really going to try to make frog's legs out of Kermit. Who cares? The songs are fun. They, they, the, the final, uh, final outro version of uh, rainbow connections. Beautiful. I mean, it's a Muppet movie. Don't be great. I have nothing. I have nothing to add. Beautifully said. I'm, I'm bummed that I, didn't think of this one. I don't know that it would not have been in my top five, but it definitely deserves a nod. I I, I also loved this when I was a kid and still do. And I think that was beautifully said. Thanks, loved the movie. All right. Where are you taking this next? All right. Here we go. This is going to be my, my grandstandy one. So I'll try to do it quickly. December this is 20th. Fourth, right? This is four. Okay. Yep. So December 20th, 2017. 2017. All right. Continue. It has a 48 on Metacritic, which I will discuss later on. I got it. Okay. So this is The Greatest Showman? Yeah. Yes. So had an Oscar nomination. There's some trivia that's kind of interesting. Anne Hathaway was supposed to be Jenny Lind. Uh, One of the things, and I I might actually put this in the daily for Saturday, there is a beautiful table read with Hugh Jackman when they were pitching this to Fox where he had unfortunately gotten cancer, a cancer in his nose, and so he couldn't sing. So he had to stand, and he just gesticulated for the entire performance. But then during one performance, during From Now On, he couldn't stop himself, and he started singing. And you see him like checking his nose to make sure he's not bleeding because he was told by his doctor not to sing. And it, I mean, when I tell you, if I'm the least bit vulnerable, that will bring me to tears. It will shatter me. That, wow. that It shatters me. Here's what I actually want to say. It also opened against Star Wars, The Last Jedi, and oddly enough, uh, did really well. And it started doing even better after Star Wars left theaters. And so much so that they contractually had to pull it because they had to like give it to Sky or whatever. But most people in theaters were like, no, it has like another two months that we can run this thing. It started doing really well. It wound up being the number one selling album worldwide in all of 2018. Crazy. I buy everything you're saying. So here's why it's actually on my list. So- I'm going to go after the critics on this one because I actually think they really missed. This leaned into theatrical bigness, and that was the point, and that's what people attacked it for. And, like, I I get that people think the story was contrived. Who was – um, I forget specifically who said it, but somebody, like, went after it specifically from – oh, it was Rooney from The Hollywood Reporter said that it hammered pedestrian themes of family, friendship, and inclusivity while neglecting the fundamentals of character and story. First of all, grow up. Second of all, <laughs> second of all, like that's trash. It handled a lot of characters. It gave them all just enough air that you knew their individual plight without making it like a six an hour movie where you understood all of the development as to how you, they didn't do the backstory, backstory, backstory. They just let it happen yep. and they let it happen quickly. This movie flies by which is really impressive considering how much they kind of cover. Like, I really thought it was great. They didn't require a big dra- like backdrop. So David Ehrlich from IndieWire Indie said it beautifully, which he said, 
Shamelessly familiar and profoundly alien in equal measure, The Greatest Showman takes a billion of the world's oldest story beats and refashions their prefab emotions into something that feels like it's being projected from another planet. I actually really like that. First of all, it's beautifully written. He's a good writer. Um, he, But what's funny is then he gave it a 67, like out of 100. This movie is like a mid-70s, high-70s to me. I think they really did great. The music is phenomenal. It is phenomenal music. Uh, so much so that when they did the the soundtrack reimagined and did like Panic at the Disco and Pink and Kelly Clarkson covered all this stuff, it's like a whole nother version of this music getting better, which it was so good to begin with. The Zach Brown band version of From Now On is so good. Is so good. So good. It's so good. I just think this is a lot of fun and I think it knew it was fun and it leaned into cheesy a little bit and it didn't overdevelop stuff because it knew what it was. And I think it should have just like been... I think it should be applauded for what it is, not lauded for what it wasn't. And so I really like this movie. Nicely said. I uh, I know the critics didn't like it. I think one of the biggest flaws it had is this, you know, if you think about the last few years and just kind of society, it's become harder to take a story of a person who's mostly considered actually kind of a bad guy and glorify him at all. And I think that probably like lowered tens to nines, nines to eights, et cetera. Is that I think everything sure. downshifted a bit. Cause, cause you're right. It's not a forties, but it's not an eighties or nineties, right? No, it, it's not. Yeah. I, I don't think it, it is. is. I, yeah. I really think it belonged mid seventies. I think like, like, I think if it was in that like seven, seven and a half, like, a, like approaching eight, but not quite there, that would have been accurate. But I think it got dogged for like, for no good reason because it, again, it was making fun, right? It was supposed to be fun and easy. And they were like, yeah, but he was bad. And you don't even talk about the Bailey part of Barnum. And it's like, yeah, okay guys, this isn't like a historical right. thing. It's a musical. Right. I think, I think if this had been like the greatest showman, the story of a guy who made a circus and they had been a little less, this is PD Barnum's not story. I think it might've right. been better received. Uh, I, I will say, I don't, I, I think there's a little bit of shallowness in some of the character arcs. Like, uh, who's the ha- handsome man? Uh, what's that Zach guy? Efron. That guy. He sort of just goes from one to the one one end to the other just because he meets Zendaya. Like, yeah. And you know, I, you know, it's Zendaya, so why not? But I was gonna say, have you seen her? She's incredible. <laughs> she can sing. She's extraordinarily intelligent. Her Instagram is funny. She would bring. She'd fix the character arc for me in about two days. I she, get it. She, by the <laughs> way, she seems like. Uh, who is the one who was uh, Minnie in the Wonder Years who turns out to be like this expert mathematician and all these other... If, <laughs> yeah. if we were to find out that Zendaya is like off writing like policy papers or something, you'd be like, okay, yeah. she, she seems like she could be that smart. Why not? Yeah, she's going to be around for a long time and I look forward to it. Uh, good choice, by the way. This was in my... Uh, if I have to put something else in the list, it, by the way, had a 103.25... <laughs> And an overall ranked seventh place, including a little uh, J- Jeremy bonus points. Okay, cool. Unadjusted, it was a little, a little lower, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's your next one, bud? I'm now switching my final two order. Okay. So I had a framework here that I want to talk about briefly. Uh, the reason Hamilton is where it was for us is to me it was like the movied up musical. Like, it's just straight up musical. My last two entries, in one of them, I consider a musical that acts like a movie, and the other, I consider a movie that acts like a musical. Ooh, interesting. So we're going to have some fun with that. So this one is the musical that acts like a movie. It's from December 19th, 1986. Ooh. 
Okay. What? It's the eighties. It's not. Yeah, it's I'm not like, I'm not like eighteen seventy three. Post Civil War. You know. I mean, we we do tend to talk about the eighties quite a bit. No, I know. It just. I have to guess right now, and when you say eighties, I'm basically out because I I skipped the eighties. But go ahead, keep going. Metacritic of eighty one. Oh, geez. Okay. Directed by Frank Oz. Okay. And I'll go with the cast. This is going to be a little tricky again, but we'll see how I can do before it becomes... You might not know it, so this might be no giveaway. But this was my order to try to make it tricky. Uh, Vincent Gardenia, who you probably don't know by name. He's a Tony Award-winning actor. You know what? He had a short-lived run on TV as the dad in the TV version of Breaking Away. Oh, fun. Okay. And I do know who he is for some reason. And what's crazier is, so the actor in Breaking Away was Paul Dooley. Paul Dooley was in this movie and had to drop out. We'll talk about that in a moment. Other people in the movie, though, uh, that were actually in it. Uh, Christopher Guest. Love Christopher Guest. Levi Stubbs of The Four Tops. Oh, cool. Okay, One of The Four Tops. I think he's number three. I don't know. I don't know if they have numbers. Uh, Jim Belushi. John Candy, Steve Martin, Bill Murray. I know. I'm blowing your mind. You're like, this is another movie? How are you naming these people? And I don't know the movie. And then the stars are Ellen Green and Rick Moranis. And everybody older than you that's listening knows what movie I'm talking about. Yeah. Why don't I know this? I don't know. It It was written by Ashman and Mencken, who are the same guys who did uh, Little Mermaid and Aladdin. Oh, wait. Is this Little Shop of Horrors? It is. Okay. Have you seen it? Wow. Yeah, no, I have seen it. And it never, this is not even on my list, never crossed my mind as a musical. But now that I'm thinking about it, this totally, totally, totally makes sense and is 100% a musical. So they, the, there was an original Little Shop of Horrors movie in 1960. That was an actual horror movie of the 60s. Then these two, Ashman and Menken, wrote the Broadway play version in 82, if my notes are correct, and took it to the, to the movies in 86. And why I think it's a musical that acts like a movie is it fully embraces itself as a movie, right? So they take the same story, the same everything, but then when they film it, in no way would you even look at this as if it was a stage production of something, right? It's right. on well-done sets. By the way, not one uh, special effect for Audrey 2. It was all practical effects. All okay. sorts of different forced perspectives, multiple angles. Uh, the big zoom out shot of Ellen Green singing uh, Somewhere That's Green has a crane on top of a crane. I wish there was like footage of that, but basically the this one crane starts pulling out, gets all the way to the top, and then somehow they pick up with the other one and keep going. So I've got to assume that looks pretty cool. So yeah, so, so Paul Dooley had Jim Belushi's part, filmed the whole thing, uh, got sick when they were doing some reshoots, couldn't come back in for them. So they basically had Jim Belushi redo that entire bit. Wow. It's the, it's the only time Steve Martin and Bill Murray have ever done anything together. Yeah. How crazy is that? It's wild. So the reason it's here also, uh, let's go back to <laughs> by on the rubric. <laughs> <laughs> uh, little Shop, I gave it a 10 on the soundtrack. A ten on the signature song. It only it, it had one weak song, in my opinion. 
uh, and it got a total of a 98.25 adjusted score. So, okay. you know, a little short of others. Sure. Uh, I would say that most of this, most of the range of music here is so good. You can see them setting the stage for what they do with like um, Aladdin and Beauty, uh, sorry, Little Mermaid and a couple of the other works they did together. The, the music's just fun. They've got some heavy songs. They've got some bright songs. And the cast was good. By the way, two of the three, what they call the, the Greek Furies, uh, the, 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 sorry, the Greek Chorus, uh, the, the three women that are walking around, they do the, sh- the doo-wop song. Oh, okay, two, yeah, yeah. Two of the three of them actually then went on to be on the Martin, Martin in the 90s. Uh, oh. And the, yeah, and actually had huge careers. The third one did one other movie and nothing else, which I just, I just kind of find those combos weird. That's interesting. And I really enjoy it. I think it's a lot of fun, and it holds up. Saw it again pretty recently, and it holds up. Little Shop of Horrors. Totally fair. I think my wife actually, if I memory serves, really likes this movie. We Feed Me Seymour is set in this house often. Um, well, just like as a morning joke. That's a great joke. Uh, yeah, that's good. And totally, totally missed and just didn't think of it. Uh, this is another week where I, I really tried not to go look at stuff. Like I just sort of let them come to me. And I honestly don't know if this even would have shown up if I had looked. But this is a really good entry. And yeah, I... Stand behind your pick, not that you need my approval, but you have it. <laughs> Thanks, bud. Yeah, I didn't Google. By the way, this is also the only week I didn't Google to... to. I always do it at the end, like that little quick check, like, did I miss some obvious thing? Because uh, I certainly don't want to be the one person to not remember Mad Max Fury Road as the best action movie of the past 10 years. Uh-huh. Just in case that would happen. Uh-huh. You know, we get it. We get possible. it. J- JT forgot it. We get it. Okay. We get it. <laughs> Anyhow, moving on. What's your uh, last pick of the day? Look, in fairness to the Fury Road thing, if you go back and listen to that episode, you could hear my head actually hit my desk when you said it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's it's it becomes like, because especially because neither of us want to let each other down. So you got to do a quick Google just to feel good. Yeah. But this time I just didn't, like, I'm sure there's stuff I'm not even thinking, like stagecoach isn't in my list. I just remembered that the second. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Yeah. This That's is okay. well. This second week in a row, I, I did, for the same reason didn't do it. I was just like, you know what? I have so many, I'm not going to go again. So here's the thing. I I before we started recording, you and I were talking about this. I don't know which one I want to do next. I have two, and I, I I love them both for very different reasons. One of them, I don't know if it's actually a musical, so I'm not going to do that one. Okay, I just decided in real time. Let's do June fifteenth, two thousand seven. It's interesting. You keep coming to 2007, and I actually have one, but I'm pretty sure that's not what you're going to say. So keep going. Uh, it's an 88 on Metacritic. Um, I will. The I can't. If I give you either of the names, it's a dead giveaway. There's only two people really in this movie. Um, Steven Spielberg was such a fan of this film that he said, "This little movie called Blank gave me enough inspiration to last me the rest of the year." Is it with Glenn Hansard? Yep. Sure. Oh, is. it's once. Once, yeah. Yeah, that's my 2007, uh, I was saving that for Pong. Oh, Go. okay. Like, I want to hear more about, like, I, I it's, it's, uh, it's only had an 83 on the adjusted list, but go on. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, well, sorry. you've got it less than Metacritic. <laughs> uh, so it had the, it won the Oscar for Achievement of Music for very good reason. Uh, 
I love, I'm not going to do, the only trivia that's kind of interesting is like Bob Dylan loved the music so much that these two opened for him. They wound up dating because of this movie for a long time. And I don't know that I've ever cheered for a almost celebrity couple harder because the story was so good. I was like, oh, you fell in love on a, like in this movie and it's this beautiful movie and it's a time capsule of you falling in love. Please stay together. They're not together anymore. Um, so Marquita and Grova made all the food for the party scene. I thought that was really cute. Yeah. Yeah, she did. It's really sweet. Uh, John Carney wrote this whole outline in five minutes at a cafe in Dublin. Like it literally just was like this, 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 this. And that's pretty much it. And then sort of building on it from there. The most expensive part of shooting this film is they had a crane for the final sweep shop that cost 2,500 pounds. Everything else was less than that. I love how lo-fi this was because of how indie the music is, because of how indie the feel of this film was. Um, Neither of them being actors, but actually being musicians means the world to me in this because it feels like music the whole time. Everything about this just felt very musical. Uh, it's really a beautiful little movie, but more importantly, this soundtrack, I think I've mentioned this before. I, my friends and I always used to talk about covering off. If you can cover off on an album, it means going from one side to the other, right? So with vinyl, you literally cover through the whole thing. This whole album, you can listen to from the A to the B side and never once want to skip a song. Like it's just... So good. It's so good. And I didn't really know if it was a musical per se, um, but it is. And I just think it's so great. I'm not really, I don't have any like really quippy grandstandy stuff like I did with the, uh, the greatest showman. If you haven't seen this movie, just go see this movie and tell me it's not beautiful. It's great. It's just such a good movie. I love this movie. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's all pretty well said. I like their performances. Very fun. Uh, I had this, I, I realized where, where it felt very low on my score is I felt it just wasn't very rewatchable as a movie. It was like, I don't really want to watch it again. I've listened yeah. to the soundtrack many times over. Uh, sure. and you know, that Glenn Hanser, you know, that there's another movie that Hanser did, right? We talked about that. Yes, we did. That's yep. the, yeah. All right. By the way, I did happen to do a, just a quick, like Googling while, while you were talking there for a second, we missed a few movies. We'll just, we'll just leave it at that. Oh, I'm sure. Well, when we get through Pong, Pong, I'm sure we're both going to be like, even just on each other's list, but I'm totally sure we missed stuff. All right. So my final entry. By the way, you have me a little, I'm very, I'm very curious what your next pick is. I'm going to tell you after this, I want to tell you because I want, I want to see if you think it's a musical or not. That's the only reason we won't go into it, but I want I want you to gauge if I could have used it or not. I'd still use the same definition. Do characters who would be normally talking start singing at you? I I know. We'll get there. Let's All right. See. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, you're definitely not going to know anything about this, so I get to say whatever I want. I'm I'm like 90-something percent sure you don't have any clue. February 18th, 1983. Okay. <laughs> Metacritic score of a 66, which I think is fairly undeserved, but I understand it. Okay. <laughs> Directed by a Wilford Leach. Whoa. All right. Uh, in a bit of happiness. Well, I'll tell you the, the thing that's just going to make you a little giddy and after after we get to the movie. So here are the cast. Again, I think I can do this in any order. And it won't make a difference for you. Uh, okay. Linda Ronstadt. Oh, I know who she is. The only movie she ever made, apparently. Really? Yeah. Strange, huh? Angela Lansbury. Don't go Googling it right now. I'm not Googling. I know. Uh, Angela Lansbury. Okay. 
uh, a George Rose, who I didn't really know much about, was an accomplished um, uh, uh, stage performer of yesteryear, who was, and I quote, beaten to death by his adopted son, that young man's natural father, an uncle, and a fourth man. Hmm. That's horrible. Yeah, it turns out this guy had adopted a son. It's questionable if maybe there were some shenanigans, uh, but apparently it threatened to unadopt him, and the dude was loaded. So the kid, his original father, and a couple other dudes beat him up, or no, uh, basically just killed him, threw him, in, threw him, threw his car off a cliff in a very Tunes-like fashion, and uh, were then caught for it, sent to jail, and almost immediately released. And before he had time to change the will, so they got all his money. Wow, this took a turn. Yeah, <laughs> and actually, that could be a sto- that could be a musical. Probably could be. No, nah, probably. Not. Well, it could be a movie, not a musical. It'd be a terrible musical. All right, the last two key members of the cast are Rex Smith and Kevin Klein. Oh, I love Kevin Klein. Not only do you love Kevin Klein, Kevin Klein got this role. Well, wait, just wait. Uh, you don't know the movie, so this it was originally written. Oh, I'm gonna have to Google this, but it's worth it. When was this written? In what year was this written? Uh, it was first performed as a theatrical production on December 31st, 1879. Okay. It's the Pirates of Penzance. Oh, never seen it, but I know I'm familiar with it. Okay. So I grew up as a Gilbert and Sullivan fan. Both of my parents listened to it. And for whatever reason, the school I went to as a kid, like the music teacher was really into it. So we performed Gilbert and Sullivan works like every year. Uh, okay. Funny enough, my wife in her school, we both in our sixth grade years, both were in the Mikado for our school's silly <laughs> productions that you know, I'm sure was phenomenal. And I have on Betamax somewhere. <laughs> so before I go into why I love this movie, I'm going to give you the, the trivia points that you will love. Rex Smith, who is the lead, by the way, the entire cast did this on Broadway. So Rex Smith was the lead on Broadway, but he, and he won several Tonys. He made his Broadway debut as Danny Zuko in the original Grease Broadway show. Okay. And Kevin Klein took the part from John Travolta. I couldn't love Kevin Klein anymore. <laughs> so when I said that Little Shop is like a musical that acts like a movie... This time I'm considering Pirates of Penzance, and you won't get this because you haven't seen it, but it's a movie that acts like a musical. So there was literally no chance I was not going to talk about Pirates of Penzance. I I had this, from like the second you said musicals, this was my first pick. Uh, It is such an imperfect movie in so (laughs) many ways, hence its Metacritic score. But I would argue that because of that, it is actually one of those cases of near perfection. If on one end of the spectrum, you've got like Hamilton, which is a perfectly done and perfectly executed in every way, flawless editing, perfect cuts, etc., where they like did the musical and what you are seeing is a movie that is a musical. And then at the very other end of the spectrum, I'm going to put the, the film adaptation of Les Mis in here for a second. Ooh. Uh, I didn't care for it. A lot of other people didn't as well. So it has some fans, of course, but... What they did in that movie is they made a full spectacle of the musical. They're like, this was the biggest musical of the 80s and probably 90s too. We're going to make the movie version like an 11, right? We're going crazy with this thing. Uh, phenomenal cast, etc. Pirates of Penzance is like literally right in between. 
when you're watching it, it's obvious that it's a set that they're filming. Like there's a backdrop that you can see. Like you can see that someone has painted the sky behind the guy on the boat. And when they jump into the water, there's like a splash because someone like threw a bucket of water somewhere. Right? Okay. They, 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 they don't shy away from it. But at the same time, it's not so campy that it's like they embrace the stage. It's it's like they just decided like this is a play slash musical slash operetta. So you never see a stage. You never see lights and backdrops as if they were like standing elements. But they don't hide that that's what they were. They don't try to green screen or do anything like that. And they embrace it. So what the director does, and by the way, this director, this guy, Wilfred Leach, he directed the Broadway version. What oh, cool. he does is they basically create these sets where he can just move the camera around and, and explore different areas and different angles the way you couldn't do if you were in the theater in a, in a play. And they don't do it so much that it takes you away from that. It's basically like just enough to have that new type of viewing angle as you go. And by the way, they took the entire Tony Award-winning cast and threw them in the movie. Uh, they did sub out one person. I don't remember her name, but Angela Lansbury was not in the original Broadway production. Uh, and these these folks are, so they're talented, phenomenal singers, and they sing away. And again, unlike Les Mis, where they try this weird shtick where it's all like trying to get the exact recording on stage, they just do lip syncing because it works really, really well. And they do a few weird things in the, in the movie. If you're not a Gilbert and Sullivan fan, this won't be really all that interesting. But part of their uh, productions are goofy. Like they, they do weird things. They break fourth wall. And so the movie, they, you know, they lightly tread on the fourth wall. They bring in a song from a whole different Goblin Sullivan musical and then acknowledge it. There's a line where they're, they're singing the song and then they say, and then we sing the song from Rudigore because it really doesn't matter because the song is from this musical Rudigore. So this, this to me, it's like fully fits into, I know, I know we've talked about this before. My, my whole thesis that, Things are just the best when they're a little imperfect. And when you embrace that imperfection, if you can't pull off a Hamilton, then you should shoot for a Pirates of Penzance. That's great. I love that. That was really, really, really fun to listen to. I got to tell you, that's good. Also, I just Thanks, Googled buddy. a picture of <laughs> Kevin Klein as Inigo Montoya, and it's really great. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. And by the way, uh, this movie was a semi-failure. It had a, one of those twin film effects where there was another Pirates movie that when they when whichever was the competing um, production house heard that this movie was being made, rushed another whimsical Pirates movie to uh, to the set. I say whimsical a lot on our podcast, JT. I've just realized that. I say beautiful a lot, so you don't do. worry about it. That's all right. <laughs> it's beautiful. I love it. So Pirates of Penzance. To, love to, it, dude. To finish my list. All right, so we'll get into Contender Pong. Um, and what we're going to do this week, a little bit different, but I, I do want to lead in with, I'm going to start Contender Pong with my one that I want to have a little dialogue on. Not a lot, but I just, I'm curious to see if you think it, it counts or not. Uh, we're only going to do year, and then we're going to do one song that we thought of that was like a ideally a deeper track to see if the other person can get the actual movie. Um, the one I'm going to start with uh, it's from 2000, and I I don't even – I mean, I guess uh, I'll give you an easy one because I want to talk about it, which is Constant Sorrow. Oh, I was going to put in Big Rock Candy Mountain. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so this is a musical, right? Oh, Brother Art, that yep. is a musical? Straight okay. Up. 
Yeah, so this is the one. I almost put this in instead. Another Charles Durning sighting, by the way. Um, I almost put this in instead of once because this is way more fun, like way more fun and feels more like a musical to me, like yeah. for sure. Uh, but, you know, I didn't. <laughs> I, I had it pretty high uh, as well. What did it get on the adjusted Jeremy score? It uh, came in 16th overall, so one ahead of Moulin Rouge uh, with an adjusted score of 90.75. That's pretty good, I think. <laughs> I don't know. It could be. Who knows? Who but, knows? Uh, I, I gave it real quick. I mean, it has 15 songs. You know, none of them are actually original. They're all, I do. yeah, they're all yeah. Uh, old folksy songs. Yeah. I think it's a great pick. I, I, it, I debated it to put it into the top five from a what kind of this, like the, 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 the edginess of the movie. It's not an edgy movie, but like making a musical like this, I think was a, was a weird choice yeah. and in a good way. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right. So before I go into my pong list, I wanted to give an honorable mention to something. Ooh, please. I would like to, and I won't talk about it at all, but I want to do an honorable mention to the Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode uh, that is a musical called Once More With Feeling. And the music in it is great. And if they had made it two hours long as like a TV movie, I would have had it in here. I'm just saying that. I have... No Nothing? idea how to react to that. <laughs> Did you watch Buffy? Were you a Buffy guy? Oh, oh, it's a great show. Not the movie. The show is great. I never. Is this Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Who is the who? Who is the actor? No, it's Sarah Michelle Gellar. I, I'm Sarah telling Michelle you, you're missing out. And, and I, I expect right now angry texts from your friends that are like, "Sorry, JT, you're wrong on this one." I'm no, I'm not judging it. I just didn't watch it. It just no, was not sure. even remotely just, in my just watch. List. It's also super bingeable. I wonder how it holds up. Actually, I'm curious. All right, listen. Maybe I'll put it on the list. All right. So my let's, actual so, no, my actual pong entries from 1965. The song is "So Long Farewell." Oh, uh, it's Sun Music. Correct. All right, let's do 1984. Darling Nikki. No idea. Purple Rain. <sighs> when I said I, I know we missed some. Purple Rain was was the first one that I realized we missed. Uh, well, I missed. <laughs> 2016, an innocent warrior. Oh, I don't know. Moana. Oh, Moana. Okay, that's that yeah. one song that you know. Whatever. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, let's do 1971, Far From Home. Uh, nothing. Okay, Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, I have to life. To life. Okay. Yes. <laughs> nice. Uh, 1994. Be prepared. Oh, Lion King. Yeah. I was trying to yeah. see if I could deliver it like so straight deadpan that you would be like, "Oh, what's that?" No, no. Be prepared. Listen, Jeremy Irons. It's my boy. Let's do uh, 2012. This is an easy one. One more or one day more. My man mentioned it. My man yeah. yeah. My biggest problem with that movie, by the way, is just the faces. Are, other than uh, Russell Crowe can't sing is that the faces are like the whole screen. If you watch it again, you won't get this out of your head. For whatever reason, the director decides that, that it's not just good enough to have Anne Hathaway on screen. You have to have her entire face taking up the entire screen, or we don't know she's there. I, yeah, I, I, I would say that I would look for it, but I can tell you definitively I'm never going to watch that movie again. No. 1971, <laughs> Pure Imagination. Oh, Willy Wonka. Yeah. The good, the good one. The, yeah, well, it's not Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That's right. Uh, let's do 1975, I'm Going Home. 
It's not. You should know this. Is it the wall? No. Oh, but the wall is a really good one that I don't have. Oh! This is going to sound awful. I've actually never seen it. Don't know. Can't explain. I got no explanation. Uh, flabbergasted. Well, this okay. one is Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, is that's, that is off my list. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a classic. 1951, Stairway to Paradise. Ooh, 50s. I don't know. An American in Paris, which was a oh. top five contender for me for quite some time. Oh, my God. You know what? I totally forgot about that movie. If... Uh, I had written down the song. Where did I put that? Oh my God. I written down some of the songs that are in this. You have no yeah. idea. All of these like classical jazzy things that you just like, he's got rhythm and all that. Like I've got rhythm and all those kind of things are all from this. It's insane. I do really like that musical in general. So that's just, that's just me missing that. Uh, let's do 1980. This is an easy one. Uh, I sing the body electric just cause it's my favorite on that particular album. I know what this is, but I'm blanking right now. Go for it. Fame. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 1952, I have my 50s back to back. Uh, make me laugh. Make him oh, laugh. That, make him laugh. That story? No, that's much later. That's 70s or late 60s. Singing in the rain. West Side Story, oh. West Side story is like 71, I think. Yeah. Why did I? I don't know why I just said that. Well, whatever. No, uh, Singing in the rain. Another one of these, like, oh my God, that list of songs that's all from this. Yeah, I totally miss Singing in the rain. I don't have that on my list that I should have. Um, oh, no, I do. And I was going to do Moses. <laughs> uh, let's do 2008, Knowing Me, Knowing You. Mamma Mia. Sure. I had, I have a dream. Yes. 1980, Samuel. Magic. Blues Brothers? No, I had a feeling you might have put this one on your list just because you figured I was going to put it on my list and try to stump me back. That's Xanadu. <laughs> no, I totally forgot Xanadu. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, well, Which was, by the, the way, doing really really well rubric-wise until the quality of movie topic came up. And <laughs> even with my nostalgic love for it, I can't in any way give it – I think I give it a three or a two. It's just, that's fun. I know it's not I, – I, I can like it and know it's not good. Yeah. Uh, let's do 1968. Sadie, Sadie. Nothing. Nothing? Uh, funny Girl. Oh, didn't see it. I should have seen it. I've seen a lot of. Yeah, how have you not work. seen it? I don't know. And if you saw pictures of my mom in th- like the seventies and eighties, she's like a like a Streisand lookalike. She used to get oh, really? like, stopped on the streets. Yeah, uh, two thousand sixteen, shake it off. Um. Oh, sing. Yeah, I missed that movie. I love that movie, and I don't have it on my list, and that's a bummer. But that's a really, really good entry. Uh, let's do nineteen fifty five, Adelaide. Isn't that uh, the, the Guys and Dolls? Yeah, that's right. Good yeah. call. Good, good call there. It's, yeah, Mickey Blue Eyes. It's my favorite song off that album, actually. Nice. Uh, 1965, we're going back there. Christmas Time is Here. I had oh. to say it that way to make it less guessable. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know, but I know I know. Go ahead. It's the Charlie Brown Christmas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's beautiful. Uh, let's do 1956, A Puzzlement. No idea. Ooh, so The King and I. And ah. fun little uh, fact, uh, my birth mother was like buddies with Ewell Brenner because they shared an acupuncturist in New York City. <laughs> Man, the idea of anyone being buddies with Ewell Brenner just sounds awesome. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, 
1978, <laughs> it's raining on prom night. I have no idea. You've heard it many, many times, though you hate the movie. Oh, Greece. Yes. Yeah, didn't even, yeah. Not I wish list. I had a screenshot of that expression because I want to save that. <laughs> Maybe put it on, print it out pretty large or something because it was. I. It was so genuine. Dis- it was genuine disgust. <laughs> uh, let's do 2005 Santa Fe. You know this. I should know this. Uh, I'm blanking. Oh, Rent. You know, I never saw it actually. I never saw it. What? Rent Rent was the end of my big Broadway interest time. Like I was I was that like mid-80s to mid-90s Broadway period and Rent was like just after that and I wasn't really as into Broadway stuff at that time, so I never really And I like and, and I was really into opera then, and so to me it was like, oh, so it's Discount Labo M. Yeah, fair. But you've never you've never even seen the the play. No, I know that one song with all the numbers in it. 5,000, 2,500, uh, yeah. 600 minutes. Yeah. Uh, make, it's uh, the real numbers. I think I actually just messed it up now that I'm thinking Probably. about it. But All right. I saw, I saw that live with Jesse Martin on Broadway. Ooh. 2012 yeah. cups. Oh, totally forgot about all the pitch perfect, perfect movies. And that would have been really good. <laughs> Wouldn't have been a top five, but no. definitely would have been, would have been good. Uh, let's do 1964. I should have known. No idea. Hard Day's Night. I'm really, really excited about you leaning into this era like way before your time. It's great, JT. 60s, 60s and 70s I'm into. Specifically this stuff. Like I watched a ton well, of this. Well, because it's great music. Great. I'm a music yeah. guy. I told you this week I was excited because like this is stuff I know. Right. Uh, 2004, uh, mild title adjustment. I'm so lonely. Lonely. I'm so lonely. I don't know. Team America, World Police. <laughs> yeah, good title adjustment because you can't sing Thank it you. the way they sing. <laughs> uh, let's do 1980, Hey Bartender. Oh, this is right in Jeremy's wheelhouse. I know this, but I'm, oh my, I'm, I'm blanking. Go. Aykroyd Belushi, Blues, Blues Brothers. Wait, which song? Oh, Hey Bartender, yes. I was thinking yeah. of something totally, totally different. That's a very frustrating miss. Good job. Uh, 2016, Another Day of Sun. Ooh. I don't think you know this movie because we've talked about it briefly. I don't know. It's uh, from, That's from La La Land. So, yeah, I haven't seen that yet. I really want to, and I love Damien. I also love the two guys who wrote that, uh, did the music, did all the music for Greatest Showman. Interesting. You should, By yeah. the way, you should just watch that opening number, just the opening number, and then A, if... The rest of the movie is like, it's like there's the opening number and then there's the whole rest of the movie. Just make sure you watch the opening number just from a music perspective. I think you'd love it. Totally fair. Uh, let's do 1988, Why Should I Worry? Oliver and Company? Oliver and Company. <laughs> I figured you were going to name something late 80s and I was ready with a guess. I've already mentioned the movie today, but I'm going to do it anyway. 1991, Mustang Sally. Oh, I don't know. That's from uh, the commitments. Oh, okay. Uh, let's do. I only have. I have a couple. Well, I could do this forever, but let's let's wrap it up soon. Um, let's say. Well, technically, we we didn't do. Oh, here we go. Nineteen ninety three. When Jesus washed. Nothing. I got nothing. Sister Act two. <laughs> <laughs> See now, I don't know if that's a musical. I I don't think it is. 
Because they don't replace dialogue with songs, do they? They just they just sing. They just yeah, they sing. But but she sings at the class twice when it, when they shouldn't have been singing. She sings yeah. stuff to la 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 la. Also right. Lauren Hill when she was she was great. She still yeah. is. The joyful, joyful bit in that whole thing. So nice. Incredible. Incredible. All right. 1985. One. Ooh, I don't know. Singular sensation. Chorus line. Oh, never saw it. Uh, let's see. I have one more that I really want to do, uh, which I I probably should have included this in the top five and I didn't, but uh, whatever. 2005, Der Gluten Tag Hop Club. I I uh I saw this recently. I know what you're talking about. What you got? Uh the producers. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you're crushing me today. Uh all right. 1992 Seize the Day. No idea. I thought this might have been your wheelhouse. This is a newsies. Oh, Newsies is on the list for my wife and I to watch this this winter, and I totally forgot about that. I'll give you one more because I oh, have it's one. it's not a great movie. It's fun. No, I know it's not. Okay. I've seen it. I've seen it live before. Uh, let's do the last one. I'll do is this: 2007, the worst pies in London. Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. I actually thought that was pretty good. I really liked it. I, I liked that movie. I thought didn't they did a good see, job. Didn't see the movie version. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know why. I was going to say I saw the play as a kid and it was terrifying <laughs> yeah that would that would that sounds part for the course yeah yeah i still have a few more i'm just going to touch on quickly 2002 all that jazz oh um is it chicago yeah i couldn't yeah chicago i yeah. didn't love it as a movie I, I think it's i think this is a highly overrated movie because the production value is so good and it's well put together but the the like the 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 cast can't sing half the songs and that just killed it. I turned it off. I turned yeah. that movie off. Yeah. So a few more entries without the guessing. Uh, that thing you do. Great movie. Yeah. Uh, we didn't talk about the Phantom of the Opera movie version, but it's not quite as weak as the Les Mis movie version, but it's up there. Uh, I also had and was in my top five all the way until this morning. But then when I really looked at the soundtrack one last time, I pulled it all the way back out because there's just not, there's like two songs. So it technically still fits though. Blazing Saddles. Yeah, it's so that's funny. I was trying, I had like a little side list of movies like that where I was like, can I include Life of Brian? Can I include Blazing Saddles? You know what I mean? Like those ones, I would argue they fit better than that thing you do because that thing you do, they were just singing versus these ones where they have moments of singing at each other. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, that's a good Blazing Saddles is so good. But you're right. It's only like there's like two to, immediately in my head. There's two songs that jump out and then nothing else. And that's it. And by the way, which it won an Academy Award for. Oh, did it really? Like, it won, Blazing Saddles is an Academy Award winning movie for best that's, original song. That's so good. Also, on my final bits of the list are Rock of Ages. I already mentioned The Wall. Uh, West Side Story. I didn't really feel like going into. Oh, I've got that one here too. Yeah. Um, Jesus Christ Superstar. Tommy which I just don't like as a movie. And um, in my, oh my God, what the heck happened? I didn't even see it, but it has to be mentioned for four seconds. Cats. Yeah, I didn't see it, so it's not on the list. I didn't, but you know all the controversy, well, not even controversy, just like how terrible a movie it's supposed to be. Oh, I will never watch that. Oh, I think it needs to be its own would you watch entry for the two of us and we commit to watching it at the same time. Maybe do a co-watching thing. 
Well, look, what we've talked about is at some point when the world is back to normal, hopefully, we're going to do some like live stuff. I would love to watch Cats live with an audience. <laughs> yeah, I got to assume that uh, what's his name? Uh, Paul Shear and Jason Mantzoukas are going to take take that one down on their podcast. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. So lots of good music, buddy. This was great. I, I really enjoyed this. I, this is a fun topic. And I, I, I like I like everything about this whole episode. But it's time to, to kind of close, which means you got to tell us, Jeremy, what are we doing next week? Well, JT, now that you ask, I'm very comfortable in saying that our next week uh, entry is taking a totally different spinorama. Spinorama? Sure. Why don't we make more hockey references? We're both hockey guys. I don't know why we don't. We also stopped at Letterkenny. We should do that again. Well, to be fair... To be fair. To be fair. <laughs> this is, and I have this written in a in a strange way, so we're going to give a little room little room to play with. But it's uh, the top five antagonists you were kind of rooting for. Oh, interesting. Ooh. Okay. So I'm not sure where we're going to go with this because I I, leave, I want it to be open ended. I want, but we're basically we're talking about the bad guys in the movie, the yeah, villains. I like this. The bad gals as well. There's not quite as many in the movies, but they're coming. Uh, I like this. So play with it. We'll check in on Monday or Tuesday when we realize it's a terrible choice and then adjust <laughs> it to be a bit more podcast friendly. But it's uh, this one's all about the bad guys. And if you don't like it, then I just say blame Canada. Blame Canada. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Thanks for letting us be your wingman, everybody. Hey.